Welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. I'm your host, John Bernadovich. Thank you so much for listening. Please consider liking, commenting, subscribing, and sharing with a friend. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope to find out what it takes to do HR like a boss. On today's show, I'm excited to have Jared Daly. Jared is the incoming president at Cleveland Sherm, and that's how I met him. He's got huge shoes to fill because I know George Sample is listening to today's podcast. I cannot be more excited, Jared, to have you on the show. Welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me on. So I spoiler alert a little bit about your background. I know we met through the Cleveland Sherm organization here, the, the HR society that's uh, really driving a lot of innovation and support to the human resource professional. But for those that do not know you, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So Jared Daly, again, um, came up to the Cleveland area about 10, 12 years ago. I went to college at Lake Erie College out in Painesville. Uh, when I graduated with my psychology degree, I was looking in what I wanted to do. And I started working with people with disabilities uh, and kind of some residential services really wanted to do more. And so I started to get involved in helping people with disabilities gain community employment. So competitive jobs that anyone could apply to, trying to help them get out, uh, put in applications, go on interviews, uh, all of that good stuff that takes into getting a job. And so I got this job here at Cuyahoga County Board of Developmental Disabilities about eight and a half years ago. and was kind of doing this individualized specific employment search. So helping individuals look for jobs and then we wanted to kind of flip it. And so instead of just helping job seekers do everything they needed to find jobs, we thought, what if we helped businesses find really good employees? And so that's kind of what put me into the HR world. I had to connect with businesses, learn about the HR departments, what they were recruiting for, uh, and try to help them find really good candidates that had disabilities and other barriers. So I got involved in SHRM and started on the DEI committee, led that for a couple of years. And uh, was fortunate enough to get tapped by George to, to help him out. So that's where I'm at now, still at the county board and uh, trying to help Sherm grow and, and keep being an awesome organization. Yeah, you're doing a fantastic job. I enjoy watching you in your leadership role. And I, I am half joking, half not about George. What a, what a wonderful human being. I've enjoyed serving on the board with him. I'm sure you feel the same way. And it's fun to give back in that way. HR is in a unique spot where there's a lot going on and hence why we have this podcast and trying to help people do amazingly awesome HR. It is not for the faint of heart and they certainly could appreciate and understand your perspective on a few things. So I'll start off on my first question for all, all guests, Jared, is to get a sense as to how you see the purpose of human resources. In a tougher question, I feel like now, uh, you know, when we used to be more in that technical area of the recruiting and the onboarding, and now I just feel, you know, HR professionals have to wear a lot of different hats in that, you know, therapist and culture creators. And so I think for, for me, the role of, of HR is really helping support the organization from that talent perspective. So not only finding the quality ta talent, but in a more competitive labor force, helping create that work culture that keeps people staying right so everyone's you know jumping jobs and quitting so I, I i see hr in a big role of making sure they're they're creating an environment and bringing in the team members that add to the culture uh, as well as fit in the culture uh, that, that keep the business humming and the people happy and uh, keep them from from looking to go elsewhere right yeah and the work you're doing i'm assuming <clears throat> at Kaga county you've probably seen a lot of organizations that are 
bringing in that inclusive mindset to uh, drive in a diverse set of candidates in your particular case, those that are that have disabilities. And I'm, I'm curious about if, if you're seeing any trends within those clients that are impacting their business or ultimately the job you're doing within your role. Yeah, I mean, COVID's been difficult for, for a lot of people and a lot of groups. And I think it also has brought a lot of opportunities. So as the labor force kind of shrunk from the, the typical populations that businesses look from, uh, they're, they're expanding their idea of who can be employees at their organization, who can be productive. And I think disability was a category that wasn't always on the top of people's minds uh, and is some kind of a, a trend and innovative way for people to expand that pool they're looking in for. So Cleveland, if you don't know, uh, is the number one city in America in percentage of people with disabilities. So we have a really large dis uh, population of individuals with disabilities. And then disability as a, as a demographic group has one of the lowest unemployment or lowest employment rates of all demographics and minority demographics. So you have this huge population here in Cleveland um, and not a lot of them are working. So there's this giant untapped workforce that we kind of talk to businesses about where, hey, you're not getting any candidates. You're getting one or two applicants now. Have you thought about opening your positions up to people with disabilities? And that could draw in some candidates that you weren't thinking about in the past and give you a chance to fill some of these roles that you're having challenges with. So that, that trend of people opening their mind of who could work here, who do I want to work here, and how do I find them has been really positive for, for at least our organization and people with disabilities in general. And I would argue the, the business community in Cleveland, right, adding uh, talent in diverse aspects to their, to their workforce is helpful as well. Yeah, no, unfortunately, it's had, had to become a strategy, just not a way of people doing things. And unfortunately, I'm sure you've seen some really unfortunate situations and, and companies not doing it the right way. And then on the opposite end, the impact it can have to their culture and organization. I, I give you a ton of credit. Keep after it. I know such a big part of Cleveland Sherm and developing your leadership from a DEI perspective. And now as president-elect, you got some... Uh, really unique opportunity in front of you to be able to, to shed light within the community on how hiring anyone can be impactful to your organization, not just a specific type of demographic or whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah. And you really, you know, uh, desperation can sometimes push change, right? Like it doesn't always, it's not always going to come of just innate organic kind altruism. So you take what you get uh, and, and you do the best you can with it. And I think businesses really, and, and to maybe put it a little bit back on our field, government, we were kind of talking before here, government, nonprofits, we're not always the easiest to navigate. So sometimes you couldn't even put it on the business to go, well, you weren't hiring people with disabilities or your diversity, equity, inclusion efforts weren't up to par. Um, it's challenging. There's so many different nonprofits, organizations, efforts, missions out there. You know, we've been trying in our side of the field to at least coalesce a little bit, collaborate so that it's easier for businesses to kind of tap into like a single pool, get support from one person, but access the broad candidates that we serve. Because we have a lot of siloed organizations, somebody that serves autism, someone serves down, serves veterans. And it's hard for a business that's got a lot going on to to navigate all of those locations and, and seek out everybody. So on our side of the, you know, the workforce development, the job seeker side, we've had to, to, 
to change our behaviors a little bit because the businesses don't have unlimited time to track us all down. And so that's also been a, a helpful step uh, in the future and, and kind of put the put us in a position to capitalize on some of the desires and the needs of the local business community. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I think one of the, the next topics I want to bring up is going to be super important to you as you uh, roll into your leadership role, Cleveland Sherm, having clarity, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And this idea of how, how leaderships can establish clarity within the most important aspects of their company so that it is understood within all stakeholders, employees, vendors, applicants, customers, et cetera. How do you suggest that, that you or your clients are doing that? Yeah, for us, it's trying to be as upfront, as honest as possible with what we do and what we don't. So I uh, also work with a team of we area coordinators of workforce development. So we're always connecting with local businesses, offering our services and supports, but really hyper-focusing on what we can do and what we can't do, making that simple, uh, bulleting that down, putting it on, on flyers. I think when you talk about clear, being kind, it's about that repetition and that communication and reiterating, here's the steps I'm going to take. Here's what I can do for you. Here's what I need you to do for me. Um, here's the line I can't cross. And for us as kind of a, a de facto recruiter and, and support, you know, we, we talk about, we'll vet candidates and we'll bring them to you, but we don't want to recommend anyone because we want you to take the ultimate ownership of who you bring onto your organization. Um, we want to support your management and trainers, but we don't want to step in and train people for you. We want to give you the skills and ability to train your employees as is. So it's again, kind of reiterating that step-by-step. Step. And normally we start with like laying that out in the beginning and then in through each stage. So I might give you the six steps in the process, but also when stage one is going, here's what I'm doing and here's, here's what I'm not doing in this moment. So, you know, from, from my agency, we're trying to be crystal clear on what we can tell businesses and how we can help them. And I think that's for Cleveland Sherm as well, right? When you're working with a volunteer organization or collaborators or other stakeholders, people kind of want to know what's expected um, and support through that. And I think the more you can keep them up to date, updated on what's going on, uh, and, and let them know if something's out of the ordinary, like, hey, this is atypical, but I'm going to need some help from you, but I'm here to kind of support you. So that constant communication at every stage, I think, is kind of the, the most important part about being clear and, and letting people know what to expect. Yeah, one of the things we've done at Willery and very much intentionally has been abundantly clear about our values, about our purpose, and being consistent with our team members that are on our staff at the same time embedding that into our hiring process so that we're attracting people that are interested in in those values so it doesn't become this management issue so to speak it becomes a, a perpetuating of it and we we review it every team meeting when we get together those values are brought on at the very forefront of what we're doing. And we recognize people every week when they exemplify those behaviors. And I, I can't tell you how important that is for us to, to have some consistency. Maybe my team's a little, little, little over the core values constantly, but it's really important for us to make sure that there isn't a question on, you know, what, what are, what are our rules of engagement? How do we, how do we treat each other and drive success within our organization? Yeah. I, I'm interested. Do you, have you seen a, I've, I'm interested if you've noticed anything when you interview candidates, there's almost like interviewing you way more than they used to in the past, right? Like, here's what I expect. 
so we get a ton more questions when we're interviewing for our positions as well. I don't know if you see that from the people that are sitting across the table from you, almost interviewing you back. Yeah, no, I definitely do. And I think they're just way more prepared. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of access to information is available to individuals now than there were, you know, obviously pre-internet, which, I'm, man, I'm really dating myself. Who went on an interview before the internet? But the access to that information is so is so real. And 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 I also feel like in this in this day and age, the, the market's been flipped totally, right? We great resignation, and it's an it's an employee based hiring market, not an employer. And they should be demanding. I've told candidates all the time when they interview with me, this is just this is more about you than it is about me or Willery. And mm -hmm. I really want to make sure that we put you in the right position to be successful. And at the same time, here, here are the things we hire and fire to. And we just want to make sure you're cool with that and that lines up. And if there's things that you're maybe not great at doing it in that respect right now, let's talk about it so we can put a plan together when you start. And it's not a big, oh gosh, I didn't know you wouldn't be cool with greatness through accountability or enthusiasm and all we do. Those might be things that you weren't, weren't hip with. And it seems to be working fairly well for us from our perspective. Obviously, time will tell and we'll keep keep driving that. But I, I really do appreciate the, the importance of that clarity and that consistency with the communication. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I did give a little bit about Willery. So I'm going to take a shameless plug. I know Jared, as a public employee, you can't uh, endorse or, or deny or whatever. So I'm going to, I'm not going to ask you what you think of Willery, because if I did, I'd have to make you give this odd answer. Is that cool? No comment. No, com no, no comment. Okay, perfect. No comment on what I'm about to share. All right, so thanks to our sponsor, who is obviously near and dear to my heart. Willery has supported the formation and continues to provide resources needed to put on this podcast. Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized companies with their search and staffing services, along with a unique client-side HR technology consulting practice. So if you're struggling to find talent for your HR and payroll teams or not getting the return on your investment in your HR technology, please visit willery.com to learn more. And there you go. And no comment from our no guests, yeah. totally cool. Visit willery.com or don't, I don't have a <laughs> Yeah, do whatever you want, right? That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, I love totally that. I'll, never, I'll never forget this podcast for that reason. There you go, there you go. Yeah, somebody's going to ask me, who is that no comment guy you had on, on your podcast? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let me introduce you to him. He's, he's great. All right. So for that weird awkwardness, no comment, shameless plug, we'll, we'll move into our last few questions on the podcast. So this word transformation has been thrown around, I'd say, for the last 10 years, and I, I see it happening a lot. And I think it's, it's kind of like the term goat in sports, like the greatest of all time. Like, I think that word is just thrown around way too much in this modern like state where we are, because there's super great athletes that have been around for 50, 70 years. And and I think goat and transformation are terms that maybe are, are used a little bit too loosely, but if you wouldn't mind sharing like a particular experience you've had where you have truly seen transformation, where, where, where things have changed in your employees, maybe your clients or their businesses. Yeah. I mean, transformation is, I agree with you on that. Um, I mean, we've tried to make a, a pretty large transformation here at Cuyahoga County Board of DD. And it really was the idea of our field historically for the last 40 years has focused on a single customer, people with disabilities and their needs and, and the supports that they, they need to get out into the community. 
And so when it was six, seven, eight years ago, and I said, what if we focus on the business community and we serve them as our primary customer and we, we go to them and we spend time with them and we learn about their organizations and we help them recruit and pull in and we don't necessarily just focus on supporting the individuals. And that was like almost blasphemy in a field that goes, we get paid to support people with disabilities. That's our mission. That's our goal. Um, but especially in employment, and as we move forward to help people with disabilities integrate into the community, you can't ignore the other part of the coin, right? So everybody has a job because they were looking and their employer wanted to hire them. So to focus any efforts on, on one customer is, to me, was ludicrous, right? It'd be like, I, I bring up the example, it'd be like a realtors only getting paid for helping house hunters. No one would ever help you list their house. There's, there's two equal customers that are needed to to blend that together. So that was a big systems change and idea. And it just kind of started with me. They, they kind of let me run around doing my thing. And we had a lot of positive feedback. So we focused on the employers as a primary customer. And I was able to help three times as many individuals with disabilities get jobs as I was from the other side. And then all these businesses started calling us and we had to grow the team and expand it. And then we had to coalesce the partners to bring the job seekers together. So the reason I think transformation gets thrown around is because I know people get frustrated with government or things taking slow. I've been working on this one issue almost my entire career and it's eight years in and it's still moved incrementally forward. And so transformation doesn't usually happen in a, in a, in a minute, in a week, in a month or a, even a year. And I think it's such a long haul to make sustainable transformation that is uh, impactful and, and, and really changes stuff because you're typically completely rewriting the script. So that's always impactful for me. I know there's a lot of people out there. We might get frustrated with the healthcare system or this system. And it's like, there are people in there trying their butts off to make change. And it's, it's not easy. And it's can be personally taxing um, as someone who's tried to move systems and uh, takes time and takes supports and advocates. And so I just know that if you're out there trying to make a change, hang in there. It's, it's, the word gets thrown around easy, easy and quickly, but transformation is harder. So keep going at it and uh, keep working hard, I guess, is all I can say. Yeah, no, you got to do the right thing. And sometimes that right thing evolves over time. And like you said, 40 years has been this concept of how your organization was serving the community. And here you come with this idea that all of a sudden you want to stir things up and, and drive some change. And it makes a ton of sense for me because you can better serve your clients by educating them on what employers are out there that have you know, interest in uh, hiring this, the, the folks with disabilities. And, and, and you then can educate the employers about the benefits of success stories you've had. Like you said, the, the comparison of a, a home seller and a home buyer, it's, it's really a unique way of, of looking at things. And ch change is hard. It, it requires tremendous leadership and clarity, all the things we've talked about before. And, and I, I do agree with you. The tra transformation, again, is, is uh, the business, business term for GOAT, uh, sports business term for GOAT. It's just, it's just way too overused. And I agree with you. Just keep at it and, and make the most of it. And Mike, most GOAT arguments, it's a longevity thing, right? It's uh, LeBron's in his 19th year averaging 30 points a game. It's, you know, you're not the GOAT because you have one great year in, in stats, it, it takes time and, and dedication. So 
you know, it's, it's challenging. I think also anytime you insert into a field, it's hard to, the people that have been working there for a while to shift the paradigm without attacking what they've done in the past, right? So you're saying you've been working here for 25 years and what you did was great, but we also have to step forward. I'm not trying to discredit that or discourage that. I think that can be a challenge. People that have maybe been in the field or doing something go, for me to shift my focus would almost be an admission of what I might've been doing was wrong. And, and I think everything transformation happens, you know, step-by-step step. and what you were doing in the past doesn't have to be wrong. Um, it, it can be the building blocks for the future. And I think when people understand that, it's it's easier to help them along and understand that transformation isn't a, a comment on, on your past behavior or work. It's just times change, right? Yeah, I think it's a tremendous opportunity. That's the thing that I, and I, I think the reason why transformation is overused at times in this idea of like change is a four letter word is that people get comfortable and content with how things were. And they just, they look at that as the way it should be, as opposed to uh, what opportunities we have to do things different, better, more. And if you, if you really examine things clearly, sometimes in our business world, kind of doing like a process map or looking at a standard operating procedure and you identify those, those challenges, those gaps, why are we doing this this way? And you all look around the room and go, well, I think Sally did that, like started that 10 years ago. Sally's not here anymore. And we just kept doing it in that same way. And if you don't challenge the status quo, especially in what you all are doing, driving diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and supporting those in that respect, you just I don't think you get anywhere, in my opinion. And I think it's part of the challenge of being a, a business leader is you've got to think differently. You got to see, to kind of shake things up and see what this world looks like if we take it from a slightly different lens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So I will end with two last questions. This, this one is a more kind of fancy dancy HR, you know, compliance related aspect. I think one of the parts of, of HR that, that I've enjoyed a lot, but at the same time have struggled with is the fact that they're, they're the rules followers. I once had a, a previous, previous guest talk about the HR office is like going to the principal's office. You go there to either get in trouble or to get recognized. And it's like nothing else happens, uh, good or bad inside the principal's office. So tell me about how important it is for HR to balance that compliance that they're that really see as a, as a forefront of what they do while being flexible as our business climate is changing? Yeah, well, I'm biased for this question. I, I'm, uh, to, to anybody from my HR department watching, probably rolling their, I'm a rule breaker. I'm like, I'm like FBI's top most wanted of uh, gonna get in trouble or get the county board um, out there. So, you know, I, I, and maybe more from the government lens because we have to be a little bit more conservative and risk averse. Uh, and I, I try to, push some things. Um, so I, I prefer that HR balance that's a little bit more flexible um, and, and kind of only, you know, lays the heavy hand in extreme things, health, health and safety, uh, harassment, those, you know, kind of third rails that we don't want to touch. But I, in the day-to-day -day operations of work, you know, to give people the freedom and flexibility. And John, I think we just read that Radical Candor book together about really caring personally about individuals and you, that to me was the foundation. It also talked about, you know, criticizing directly and, and, and being uh, straightforward with some of that. But I think the foundation or what I took was that like, it only come works if you care very personally and deeply about people as humans and that human is the first word in human resources. Uh, so, so I, I fall on that side 
Um, I think if people know that you care for them, you may not have to come with the strict heavy handed rules. You can have that relationship and go, you got to, you know, this is where we're drawing the line. I appreciate you trying to push the mission or, or be a little bit cutting edge, but here's where we're running into that risk and that compliance section. Um, so, so that's on my side, but I also get it. Like I'm a headache as well. So I can't, uh, uh, completely say that. So, and I think even today too, right. As people have more options, creating kind of that better culture, that better fit and allowing people some freedom and flexibility to, to try new jobs or uh, jump into something that's not necessarily their expertise, spend a day on, on a project they don't typically do really is going to help keep people engaged um, and keep them at your company. So I think there's that, that kind of shift maybe to that culture building flexibility team creation uh, away from the compliance, but uh, I, I also get in trouble a lot. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. Keep getting in trouble. And I'd love to hear from whoever is finding Jared to be uh, <laughs> problematic as it relates to his ideas inside of Cog County. I want you to reach out to me and I'd love to hear those stories. But no, I, I, I highly encourage that. I think the point you made that, that stands out to me the most, Jared, is you got to take it to a certain point. You have to understand that there, there, are, there, are, there are rules, there are guardrails, there's reasons why those things exist. And it's okay for you to challenge the status quo, but we cannot go so far off of those rails. Or if, if an idea goes that far off, you have to realize it's going to be met with a ton of resistance for a lot of good reasons. Because again, your, your organization's been around for a long time and, and those things have been built up over that period of time. And it's, it's, it's critical that we're conscious of that while we're trying to be disruptive and come up with new ideas. All right, well, speaking of new ideas, the book is HR Like a Boss. The podcast is HR Like a Boss. I always get my guests out of the show on this last question of how would you describe someone that does HR Like a Boss? Yeah, and, and that question prior is like the perfect segue to this because to me, someone at HR is like a boss is someone that balances that perfectly. And so, although I can't promote the businesses out, I work with just a couple HR partners and the people that we support with disabilities. Sometimes we have HR partners that do too much. They give too much leeway because they have a disability or they don't want to discipline or write up or even terminate. And so just a couple of uh, the HR partners that I work with that are loving and caring of all of their employees, including the ones that we refer and recommend. Um, but also strict and hold people accountable in, in, in equitable ways, right? So they work with our candidates and help them out. And I've talked to some of them that giving people rides home when their transportation doesn't show up. But they also, the second they do something wrong, call me in and we write them up and, and have them sign that paper like anybody else would. So being able to perfectly balance that idea of, I really care about you a lot as a person and I want you to be successful. But when you're doing something out of line, I'm going to call you out. Um, and it's not because I want to, it's because I care about you so much and I want you to work here and I want you to be successful. People that can balance that and it's not easy. Um, you know, with that book basically stressed how hard it is to always do that, um, to thread that needle of I'm going to be direct uh, and hard on you, but it's coming out of a place of love and compassion. If you can pull that off, you'll, you'll be HR like a boss for sure. And that's, it's not easy. And that's kind of where I see people out there in the community doing it really well, uh, being supportive, being compassionate, but, but holding people account uh, is, is impressive to me. And I, I'm always amazed by it. 
Yeah, I have this rule now. It's evolved over time that the relationships that I have that are most important to me and the best ones are the people that care the most about me and are willing to share good, bad, and indifferent, no matter what the circumstances. And the ones that are, I'll call it kind of peripheral relationships, maybe the all those friends you had in high school, and then all of a sudden it dwindles down to like three or four people. Like they're the ones that really care the most about you. And they'll tell you that you're doing something stupid, or you probably should think about rewarding that a different way, or really awesome job with whatever it was. I, I deem it as they're the people that always call me on my birthday versus maybe send me a text or post something on social media. And I, I look for, I run toward those relationships of people. They really care about you in a way that, that stands out. And it, it's the only way you're going to grow as a human being really is if you have people in your life that take a vested interest in you and tell you the good and the bad, because life is not all good, right? It's, you know, look outside. It's been snowing, you know, March 14th, Probably going to snow again another month from now in Northeast Ohio. It's not sunny and uh, it's not green trees and, and flowers all the time. You got to be able to be real. And I think the people that care the most about me, I, I hope they feel the same way that that we can be real with one one another and, and help. We, we, we know it's going to help each other out in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's uh, the thing, same thing we seek in those personal relationships. I, I believe People are looking for that at work, right? To care about me enough to, to be a better employee. Maybe your friends are trying to help you be a better person, but that same type of idea of like, if you care enough about me, help me grow as an employee and get to where I want to go. And I think that's uh, the, the future of HR, right? Helping people get to their sweet spots and, and grow and develop and, uh, and be happy where they're at. Yeah, no, the Gallup 12 has that uh, question. Do you have a best friend at work? And I think it's the most common answer to that is no, where if you look at levels of engagement of employees, if they feel they have a best friend at work, it's a, it's a game changer for their level of engagement within the organization. But speaking of game changer, Jared, you were an awesome guest on the show. I really appreciate the work you're doing uh, within Cuyahoga County and with your clients. Also, obviously, huge fan on the Cleveland Sherm side. I appreciate you hopping on the podcast. I'm just going to share a, a few quick points that really stood out to me about the fact that you look at HR as wearing a lot of different hats and having to, to help out a lot of different um, individuals and have that might have different responsibilities, but at the end of the day, trying to develop a work culture that's inclusive and is driving meaningful change within those employees and how important uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, strategy and execution is to, to, to a company. And, and being able to look at things differently uh, as you certainly transform things and make changes the way that they were done before, that idea of transformation is one that you have to be cognizant of the history and the people and everyone that's been there before as to how we got into the point where now we need to make a change and you got to be sensitive to that and how important it is for you to HR. We talked about this just at the end to care about people, this loving relationship. And then, you know, it's kind of can we use the word loving in the workforce? I think we can, absolutely. It's gotta be one that people know it's genuine and honest and sincere. But at the same time, in order to have that, you gotta be willing to hold people accountable, uh, whether or not you feel they deserve the criticism or the harsh feedback. It's sometimes the ones that, that you'll see the greatest impact in your, in your life and the relationship is where you have that authentic truth, your ability to be yourself. And I cannot resist but ending that it's okay to say no comment when you're talking about Willery. No, uh, thanks for having me, and I appreciate it. And uh, uh, no comment on Willery, but uh, I love working with you. I could say that. 
I can say that, John. It's always been a pleasure working and interacting with you um, and appreciate you having me on. Of course. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating or review. And better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.